The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the 2018 Established Summer Training Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. Thanks for the patience. I know it's a lot of announcements, but uh, it's the first couple of days of projects. So once the like weekly routine kicks in, the long announcements at the beginning will hopefully get a little bit shorter and things will feel a little bit more normal. So um, I'm Ariana. I'm um, on staff at Bethel. I'm going to be talking a little bit tonight. You don't. We won't usually have this afternoon slot, but it's part of the first week of just helping prepare you for two months of being down here. Um, I'm married to Lucas, he's talked before. Um, and we are your staff, project directing leaders, whatever you wanna call us, um, along with all the other staff that are here. So um, this is, I think, my sixth project and maybe Lucas's eighth. Um, so we've been here a lot, but it's still every year something new and nerves are the same. And we know now that every year God does something that we're not prepared for. <laughs> So, in a good way, for our hearts, for ev everyone at Project, so we're excited and nervous all at the same time. But um, before I dive in, I'm just going to pray quick. Um, God, thank you for um, all the students getting down here safely, all of us traveling safely. Um, I thank you that you've been with us so far in the few, first few couple of days, and um, I just pray that we've got a lot of days coming, and um, it's going to go both fast and slow at the same time, and I just pray that we wouldn't wish it away, we wouldn't rush it, and at the same time, um, we would be expectant and hopeful and excited to see what you would bring. Um, I pray that you'd be with us tonight, prepare our hearts, um, that your name would be glorified more, and that we would see more of you and treasure Jesus more um, in this time. In your name we pray, amen. So as I said, this is my sixth project. Um, so I have a lot of different nerves and stuff too, but I'm sure you guys all do as well. So there's probably a spectrum of how a lot of you guys feel. I talk with my hands, so sometimes I might do this, which isn't going to help for hearing, but that's okay. Um, so a lot of you might be, maybe this is your third or fourth project, so you're excited but nervous a little bit because who knows what's going to happen this year. Um, and some of you, this might be your first one, so you're like, I don't even know why it's called Project Still, and I don't even know why I'm here or how I got here, but we're glad you're here either way. Um, and then there's probably a slew of excitement of, you just found out your team and you're excited about who's on your team or you found out your team and you're not excited about who's on your team. Um, or you came down with a friend and they're now in like the fourth story and you're over on the two story. And so there's, there's gonna be emotions all over the place and that's normal and expected. Um, and then I also wanna acknowledge that we're all coming in in different areas spiritually, like Lucas talked about a couple nights ago. So for some of you, maybe you've known um, the Bible a lot from growing up in the church or maybe hear, you've heard a lot of this stuff that we've talked about um, or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while and had a relationship with him and for maybe some of you guys you're on the other end of the spectrum you're still trying to discover what is this what is um, Christianity who is Jesus and I just want to say we're glad you're here that's what this whole summer is for for all of us so we're all coming in in different places, we all have different backgrounds, we all have different pains and experiences and sorrows and joys, and, um, and that's part of God's story for us. And so this summer is not just about Walmart, um, not just about the beach, not just about group dates, and yes, group dates, woo, those happen. Um, some of you are like, I didn't know that was gonna happen, but it will be fun. But it's not just about those things. So all those things are made and designed because we hope that that will help you know more Jesus, 
discover who he is, and by the end of the summer, feel like you've taken a step further into understanding who he is, delighting in him, and enjoying him. So that's what all that is for. Um, so in all that spectrum, we what's going to help move that way and help you to know and discover more of him and enjoy him more, is there's two things that are going to help with that. And the first thing is that you would be honest with yourself. Um, I'm not going to assume because you came down here this summer that you already do know and enjoy Jesus. Um, and part of that is why is because that was my story. I grew up in the church. I came to my first project between my sophomore and junior year of college, and I knew a lot of Bible answers, but it wasn't until I was here that I realized I really have no idea. Um, not just things from the Bible, but I really hadn't known that I'm a sinner. I really hadn't tasted the fact that Jesus' blood on the cross was what I desperately needed. And if that wasn't there, I would have nothing else. And so since it took my first summer down here to learn that, I'm not going to assume that just because you have answers or maybe you're familiar with a lot of this stuff that you have either. And I don't want you to assume that either. So in 2 Corinthians 3.15, it says, Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. And so I don't want you to assume that for yourself either. Um, and it's not just biblical, but the Greek philosopher Socrates also says, an unexamined life is not worth living. And so I want you guys to have a life worth living. I want you to examine yourself. I want you to test yourself to see where am I? What do I believe? Be the greatest suspect to yourself. Put yourself on the stand and really question. Um, some of us, we over-speculate and maybe need to um, take ourselves a little less on the stand, but that's part of part two, which is I want you guys to also be honest with others. So be honest with yourself, but also be honest with others. Um, who in here has read Harry Potter? Oh, I'm actually surprised. I thought almost all hands were going to go up. So I wasn't allowed to read it when I was a kid, and then it became really popular, and then I was like, I'm not going to read it. Everybody's reading it. Um, and then it was just full of pride for like 10 years. Gave it to my pride, finally started reading it this summer, um, or this semester, and I'm halfway through book five, so do not tell me what happens. I'll be very upset. But um, in there, for those who have read it, there is the Dursley family, and they, basically there's a magical world. There's people who don't do magic. So they know that the magical world and wizards exist, but they can't partake in it as far as, like, they don't have wizarding magical powers. I feel like a nerd saying all these things. Um, but they know that it's there, but they refuse to admit it. So they won't even like talk to each other about it, they're a married couple, they won't admit it to each other really, they, they come up with lie after lie to neighbors and everyone around because they don't want to admit that that world exists. And if you've ever read the books or seen the movies, you know that the Dursley family is like the most miserable family in the story of Harry Potter. So I don't want that for you guys. I don't want you to lie to people around you, to lie to yourself and to try to pretend that there's not a greater magical reality going on. And maybe you're thinking, there isn't magic going on. There is a magical world going on. Um, I mean, think about it. We, we have a God who is perfect, who's offering creatures that he made to be immortal and live forever with him. We live on a ball, on the outside of the ball, that's rotating around another ball of fire. Like, I can go on and on. We live in a very magical world. All the happy ever after fairy tales is our reality for those who know and love Jesus. So I want you guys to see that world and step into that world more. And I think we will be able to do that more if you're honest with yourself and honest with others this summer. Um, maybe you're thinking, but I don't want to be a burden. Like if I have a question, if I have a 
feeling like they probably know the answer and I don't be a burden if I come to them with. But the Bible tells you to be a burden. So Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So it's biblical for you to be a burden. So burden one another is your challenge this summer. Um, and to beware of the self-reliance. I think really what we're saying there is we're afraid of what people are going to think of us. And so beware of self-reliance because it will consume you. So as you, you're going to read the Bible a lot, we're going to talk about Colossians a lot this summer. You're going to have a lot of talks. My encouragement to you is to be a sponge. Soak up as much as you can. But in that, you might have a lot of questions and thoughts and feelings come up. And I think in the back of your notebooks, you have like 10 to 20 blank pages. And I would just say put those questions in there. Put those thoughts down there. Share them with your room leader. Share them with someone in your room. Share them with a friend. Um, be a burden to one another. Share in one another's burdens. So fulfilling the law of Christ. Um, so just a refresher on Lucas's talk last night, or two nights ago. Um, he welcomed our theme of established. Um, and then he talked mainly about why we need to be established. Um, and then went from there to talk about um, our theme verse, which is, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So we talked about, I mean, we as the team leaders and your leadership and the staff have come up with established, because that's what we really want this summer. We want to help establish you in knowing and treasuring Jesus more. But to do that, you have to have first received it. And so that's what Lucas wanted to start with, and that's why I'm going to press in a little bit more on what it means to receive. And so to recap just the two quick things he talked about a couple nights ago, receiving means first to die to yourself. And remember he talked about the ditch of the side of chasing the things of this world, pursuing the things that have empty promises, um, and saying, I want the story to be about me. I want this magical world to be about me and running after those. And to receive is to die to that because that's rejecting Christ and to receive Christ and that this story is about him. This magical world is about him. And the other side of doing your righteous works and thinking you can earn your way to heaven and that's rejecting what he's done because it's his works. It's the things that he's done on the cross. So dying to yourself and it's free. It's what he's done that was a great cost to him but it's free, so you don't have to work anymore. Receiving is not working. If that's all you hear this summer, that's a great summer. You can drive home. It's a long drive. Um, so to receive is to receive his works, is to receive him. And that's what I want you guys to have this summer. So that's what we're going to focus on a little bit, though. So there's a quote um, by John Piper you can go, that says, To say I received Jesus means nothing until you answered the question as what? There are all kinds of ways to receive Jesus that have zero effect on your eternity except to make it worse. So there's a lot of ways that in here you might be thinking, I received Jesus, I received Jesus. I came to projects thinking I had received Jesus. But there's a lot of ways to receive him that don't make your eternity better, but actually make it worse. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight is how are you receiving Jesus? So I have a couple of examples and um, some cheesy pictures to go with it, but that's okay. So first thing is, as a parent, are you receiving Jesus as a parent? Um, maybe you're, it's a strict parent who has these lists of rules, these lists of things you need to do, and so you do them because you feel like you have to and you're obligated. And Or to some of you, maybe a parent means you can call Jesus up whenever you want or God up and they'll give you what you want if you just ask. Or to some, maybe receiving Jesus as a parent feels more like God's disconnected, God doesn't care, God is un uninvolved, and God is maybe disappointed in you. So 
Are you receiving Jesus as a parent, bound to a list of rules, or feeling like he's constantly disappointing you? Um, or maybe, are you receiving Jesus as an, a, a maintenance man? Um, you have all the things you can take care of in your apartment until something goes bigger, like the plumbing project, that I'm like, I cannot do that, so I will go to Paul and read, and they will take care of it. But then, I don't, you don't have a relationship with your maintenance person. I, have, I do with Paul and read, so that's a bad analogy. As a regular apartment maintenance person, um, but is that like God to you? Is that Jesus to you? That you go to him when you desperately need something that you can't fix on your own, and so you go to him because he has more power. But everything else, all the small things you're taking care of on your own, is that how you're receiving Jesus? Um, third option, maybe you're receiving Jesus like a teacher. You know he's smart, and he's wise, and you know things in the Bible are probably really good, and educational, so you read them because you want to gain knowledge, you want to grow in that. But as a teacher, they give tests and grades, and there's pressure and stresses of performing and making sure, you know, that little piece of disappointment of like, you should know these things, you've studied these things, and feeling stressed about that. And so is, is that Jesus to you? Is he a teacher to you that you're just trying to learn from, but you're afraid of messing up the test, and you feel like you're taking tests and grades from him constantly? Or maybe Jesus is like a friend to you. You spend time with him, you enjoy him, um, but he's there for you when you want comfort. You run to him when things aren't going well, and maybe you run to him when things are really fun. Um, but maybe he's just your teacher in a way of like boasting you up and being the one that says, don't worry about what they say, you're a great person. Or do whatever you want because you deserve it. Like is he just a little friend, a buddy buddy to you? Um, or is that how you're receiving Jesus? Another one is, are you, is Jesus a tool on your tool belt for your path of life? Um, I went to see a counselor our first year of staff, and I was talking with her. Her name's Lexi, and she said, Ari, sometimes the way you talk, it makes me wonder, is Jesus just something that's a tool on your belt for the path of what you're trying to get to, or is he the end of the path you're trying to get to? And that, that kind of woke up my whole history of my life. I'm like, wow, that would have been so much helpful if someone told me that 10 years ago. But I think that showed a lot of my heart. Like, often I'm still living in a way that I wanted to be a good moral person growing up. I wanted to be seen as a good person. And so having religion that has good works really helped me with that. So Jesus and Christianity just became something I added on so that I could still present myself a certain way. And for many of you, that might be what you're doing. And and I want, I want to ask, is that what you're doing? Is Jesus just a tool on your tool belt? And he's not the goal of your path, but he's just someone you're putting on your path to make you the goal of your path. So there's a lot of ways. I mean, I could make list after list of different ways we receive Jesus that aren't helpful. Those are just a few that came to my mind. And, and so I just want to remind you what Piper said, that um, there are many ways that we can receive him that do not help our eternity. But there's one way that can, and that's if we receive him as he says that he is. Not maybe what I say that he is, not what your parents say that he is, not what your professors do, possibly not even what you want him to be. But do you receive him for who he says he is? And where we see that most is in his Bible, and that's why we study it. Um, so we're going to look at just two. There's a lot of things that he describes of himself. Um, all over the Bible, so I encourage you to go through it and, and look at a ton of them. But we're just going to look at two tonight for sake of time. Um, the first one we're going to look at is he's the bread and water. So John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So these are Jesus' words, so I'm going to take him for what he says that he is. He says he's the bread of life. So what do we know about bread and water? First thing we know is that we need it in order to live. So when you're first born, you, you need to eat or you're, you're going to die, right? So we have to eat. We can try to go for a long time without eating. Um, maybe we last three days or so. I don't know the actual <laughs> amount. But you're gonna, you might look alive for like three to four days of no eating and no drinking, but inwardly you're dying really quickly. And you're going to realize really fast because you'll die, that you cannot survive without eating and drinking. And that's, just, that's a reality. That's a magical picture of something that's going on in our souls. If we do not continue to have Jesus, if we do not receive him, we, will die. we might be able by our works to think that we're alive and think that we can achieve eternity with him on our own and feel good for a couple of days, but we will soon find out we were dying inwardly the whole time. And in the end, we would still die if it was by our own works. So that's one thing we know. Um, the second thing we know about it is that we need it to continue living. So when you're first born, you don't eat once and then you're never hungry again. It's pretty soon after that that as a baby, you're screaming and crying and bloody murder because you want food. Um, my friend Erin, she has a daughter named Charlie. And when Charlie was like one, she would look up at Erin from the table and she'd go <laughs> because she wanted more food. I was like, oh, Erin, she got your genes. Um, but so we, we want food. We need it to continue to live. I mean, it's crazy to think about. So some of you guys have seen Little Sullivan and Will on Project. They're really cute. They're really fun to interact with them. Um, but we were all that size once. And how we got from that size to where we are today is literally just putting something outside of us, inside of us, and then we magically grow. It's crazy, like we really live in a magical world. And that's, I think it's not ironic that God has designed for us to constantly need to eat over and over. Because I think he's trying to show something deeper there of, hey, you need me still, you need me still, you need me still. He's not like, you have me once, you believe in me once, and then we're done. He's like, continue to have me, continue to eat of me, and then we grow into who he is. Like, it's crazy that what we needed was something outside of us, like food, his works, something we couldn't do on our own. We needed it to come inside of us, like food, Jesus' Holy Spirit to come in us and change us in order for us to live. So there is something really beautiful. Don't be bored by the mundane things of life, because food is actually a very magical situation. Um, so that's what we know about that. So that's one. The second thing that we, I want to talk about who God says he is. Maybe you're thinking, I've received him. I've received Jesus as my Savior. I know that his blood has covered me. I've let that come in and change my life forever. Um, but I want to talk about him as Lord. So there's a quote I have. When we replace the statement, Jesus is Lord, which happens to be one of the earliest Christian creeds, with the statement, Jesus is Savior, it fundamentally changes the way we read, understand, and live out the gospel. So if you catch that, he's saying, to say that Jesus is my Savior versus saying Jesus is my Lord completely changes the way we see, interact, and understand what the gospel is. And so I have three little quick things about what that small little difference means. The first one is that Jesus as my Savior is me-centered, 
versus Jesus as my Lord being Jesus-centered. So if you just see Jesus as your Savior, the story is all about you. You want this whole magical Harry Potter story to be about you. That you would be the center. I well, I know I'm sinful. I don't want I don't want to go to hell. I want to, I want to live forever. I'd be immortal. That sounds great. So I need Jesus to cover me and do that. Where Jesus as your Savior and your Lord makes the story about Him. So it's like I'm desperately needy. I want to be with Him. I don't want just heaven. I want Him. And I can't get there without what He's done for me. And I know I don't deserve it. So him being my savior, he saved me, but he's also my Lord, and so now he's going to rule over me, and I get to be with him forever. It changes. It seems small, but it changes a very, very huge piece about how we understand who Jesus is. The second one is Jesus as savior alone is personal, but Jesus as savior and Lord is missional. So if he's just your savior, it's going to be very deep, very personal, because you have your deep sins that you really want him to save you from, but then it ends there. But if it's Jesus is my Savior and my Lord, it changes everything about you. And it makes you want that for other people. And you see that you want him to be Lord of them. You want them to spend eternity with you. You want them to be welcomed into the Harry Potter world. Um, and so Jesus as Savior and Lord. The last one is Jesus as Savior is spiritual versus Jesus as Savior and Lord is holistic. So if Jesus is just your Savior, then that's just a, that's just that tool on the tool belt. Like, Okay, well, I've got grades figured out, I've got family going well, but I want to be a good moral person, so I need religion added on there. And then Jesus is just a tool that you put on there. But if he's your Lord, it takes every... I used to imagine it like if I built a castle of my heart and I had rooms in there, am I going to unlock every single room to let Jesus in there? Or do I have rooms that are closed off? It's like, no, 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 Jesus, you can't go in that one, but you can come in these ones and fix these ones. And so Jesus as Savior and Lord means... My building, not only does he get into all my rooms, but he's destroyed my building, and he's built the building for himself, so that when people look at the building of my heart, they see him. And so that changes the way I live my life. It changes the way you stock at Walmart. It changes who you want your friends to be, who you want to marry, where you're going to live. All those things, that's Jesus as Savior and Lord. Um, Sorry, my page is stuck. So those are just a few implications if we get that wrong, but... So I want to look at one more verse um, before we close. So Matthew 8, 1 through 3, says, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, him being Jesus. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out, out, stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So the leper comes to Jesus, acknowledges him as Lord, but also sees him as Savior because he sees, I need to be cleansed. I need to be saved from what the disease that I have. And his might have been outside leper, but we are lepers inside in our hearts. And so he acknowledges he's Lord and Savior. And Jesus, the computer's dead. Okay, That's okay I've got the verse here. Um, but Jesus stretches out his hand and cleanses him. So Jesus acknowledges, yes, I am Lord, and I will. So be cleaned. And immediately his leprosy was gone. So we see that he acknowledges both there, that he's the Lord and the Savior. And that's who he is. And that's what I want you guys to see. I don't want you to just think he's your Savior, but he is your Savior and your Lord. And don't take this for granted. Have you received him as your Savior and your Lord? Or have you received him as just a parental figure or just a good friend 
or just a teacher, someone that only comes in when you want him on your terms to fix things you can't have control over fixing yourself. Um, and don't, get, don't take that for granted this summer. Like, be honest with yourself, be honest with others, because if Piper's right that this is going to determine whether or not eternity is great or whether eternity is worse, then the best thing we can do for you this summer is say, be the greatest suspect of yourself because eternity is at stake here. And I want you guys to have a great eternity and I want you to see the magical world that we're in um, and not take that stuff for granted. So and maybe you're thinking, I, I, I do believe Jesus is Lord because I do all these things and I pray, Lord, thank you for today, dear Lord, or whatever. But there, even he says in another verse, he said, the lot of you say to me, Lord, Lord, but when you get to heaven, he said to them, apart from me, I never knew you. So not just that you're saying he's Lord, but do you know him as Lord and Savior? Um, I want to pray quick. God, I, um, I pray this for my own heart. I know even in preparing this talk, it's made me see that do I see you as Lord? Do I understand that you are my Lord? Um, or do I just come to you when I want you, like a plumber, to fix things and um, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to see and know and deeply know you um, and how great you are. And that as the leper came to you, so can we. We can come to you and say, Lord, if you will, I know you can, will you cleanse me? And how quickly you said, I will be cleansed, and immediately our sins can be gone. Um, I pray if none of us in here have done that before, that we would. And I pray for those of us that have, that we would be reminded of what a great Father you are and what a great Lord and Savior you are and that we need to help us to be honest and die to ourselves and see that this story is so much greater when it is a big story about you and not a tiny story about us. Um, thank you for Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. So we have questions, but they're... Oh, Harmon to the rescue. Um, you want me to say that so you can type them out? Okay, so these are going to be reflection questions that you're going to do with your room. Um, so they're more discussion questions than reflection. Reflecting discussion questions, how about that? Um, so question one is, where are you spiritually coming in at? So like I said at the beginning, everyone's coming in at different places, and that's okay. So where are you coming in at this summer? Um, question two, are you ready for it? Okay. Um, how have you been receiving Jesus? So that's like friend, parent, teacher, plumber. Um, how have you been receiving Jesus? And question three is, have you ever received Jesus as he says that he is, Lord and Savior? So have you ever received Jesus as he says he is? So we're going to put on some nice piano music, um, give you guys some time to discuss as a room. So if you can feel free to break out around the area, even like behind here, there's a little section too, and there's even a chapel over there. I don't know if it's being used. If it's not, you can maybe sit-ish over there, but um, don't leave and go back to project. We'll let you guys go. We want you to have a little time to discuss. Cool? Great. Ready? That's just for now. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at clminneapolis.org.